Welcome back to Pancreas Pals, a podcast by diabetics for diabetics. I'm Emily, a writer and editor. And I'm Miriam, a licensed mental health counselor. We're just two women trying to live our best diabetic lives. While it might not always be easy due to the literal highs and lows, it always helps to have a Pancreas Pal to turn to. Hey guys, welcome to Pancreas Pals. Emily here. And Miriam. And this week we are talking all things toxic friendships. Um, we're coming in strong. We've been on a little bit of a hiatus. That's mm-hmm. not to say Miriam and I have a toxic friendship. It's just <laughs> to say that um, life's busy. We're we're both making moves, doing things. Um, yeah. But we haven't forgotten about you, pal. Sorry no, for the we, little hiatus. Exactly. Life just kind of got away with from both of us, I think, the past couple of months, but we're still good. We don't have a toxic friendship. And Emily, I want to point out when you were introducing this episode, you had like the perfect podcast voice. Oh my God. Like, thank you. Five years later. I have today for all the SpongeBob fans. About, it was very <laughs> soothing to me. Catch an EP of meditation coming soon. Just kidding. <laughs> LOL. Could you imagine? I'd be like, I'd interrupt and be like, sorry guys, I just, I, I have to take a call. Sorry. <laughs> Okay, I'm getting off topic. Okay, so again, we're talking all things toxic friendship. Um, In that, you know, you might be like, hey, what does that have to do with diabetes? Well, let us tell you. We definitely know quite a few ways. Um, This is not like an episode of us calling out people in our lives or in our past. It's just things that we've seen on social media, things we've seen throughout the years. And honestly, we're running out of ideas on (laughs) stories. episodes for you guys so we've um, just exhausted everything diabetes related but no I think in friendships or relationships in general there are times where you have to put up boundaries for whatever it is and I think diabetes specifically there's a lot of boundaries you have to put up for to protect yourself um medically emotionally etc and so I think it, it does tie in with friendships that aren't serving you and and how does diabetes kind of fit in with that also I want to say that um an idea for this came from a story that uh, we were working on at prevention magazine where I'm the senior editor and it's it had a lot of really great tips on how to get out of toxic friendships and what a toxic friendship really is so shameless plug go check that out prevention.com um but I do think that it's important to note before we dive into this mm-hmm. that by boundaries, we don't mean physical boundaries. We don't mean literally no. putting up walls between you and other people. Although, if that helps, do what you need to do. <laughs> um, but we're talking about emotional boundaries, mental boundaries, ways to kind of save your energy, save your mm-hmm. emotional strength and put yourself first. Because if there's anything I've learned in my mid I'm gonna continue telling people I'm in my mid-20s in my mid-20s it's that everyone's doing themselves and there's mm-hmm. there's nothing necessarily wrong with that but that means I gotta do myself too and by that I mean put myself first mm-hmm. so that's something that's like really hard for me and obviously it's, it's taken years of therapy to even <laughs> realize that's what I do but um I don't know I just am always the mom of the friend group but that being said there's so much more time in your life when you realize that you can put yourself first and meet your needs and be mm-hmm. happy and focus on those things that make you happy. So let's delve into getting there, which is by talking toxic friendships. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I'm, take, I'm taking away. 
Uh, I mean, I guess. So let's start off with what a toxic friendship is, Miriam. What a toxic friendship is. You know, I'm curious, Emily, because you've done the more recent research on this for your for the article um, in Prevention Magazine, but I think there isn't a clear-cut definition. I think toxic is really relative, right? And so it's really dependent on what you're comfortable with. But I'd say in general, and, and you guys know because we've had that episode on toxic positivity, um, I think, you know, I'm pausing because even the word toxic sort of makes me cringe sometimes because I think it, it gets overused at times. Like, oh, that's so toxic or she's so Back toxic. Back when we whatever. had our toxic positivity episode, we were like trailblazers. That was kind of before <laughs> the whole toxic positivity came about right? in it modern day. Miriam was like, you know what? I, I, I got to talk about this thing and it's big in therapy. It's big in mm-hmm. mental health. I just learned about it, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, I mean toxic doesn't have to it's just it's a it's a keyword you know it's, it's something key, that exactly it's a buzzword um, it does get overused at times but I think in the way we're trying to define it is like something that's no longer serving you or something not only is it not serving you and adding value to your life but it's actually removing value it's making things worse I right? like to and, think of it like sorry to interrupt you Miriam no, go but for, it. for a metaphor or an analogy mm-hmm. if you will I like to think of it as this really 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 cute dress that you used to obsess over maybe not obsess over that you know brought every time you put it on you're like damn Mm -hmm. I look fine Mm -hmm. um I'm so glad I bought this dress what have you but then maybe a year goes by maybe a few months go by uh you put the dress on and it starts to bring up these questions like hmm I don't like my butt in this or Mm -hmm. you know now it's too tight or wow I really wish I didn't spend two hundred dollars on this dress Mm -hmm. um whatever you know as time keeps going on you don't you find yourself not wearing the dress you keep putting it back until ultimately you're like I should donate this dress like it's not bringing me joy you marry condo that that way Mm -hmm. of life um so that's my little analogy I think that's a great analogy you know and and sometimes that where the toxic piece comes in is sort of like before you realize that before you have that realization of like oh this is no longer helpful for me or you know? when you think, when you don't realize maybe even that you don't have to stay in a friendship. Yeah. I think that takes like in high school um, or even in college, I just should say, I, the friends I made my freshman year, I definitely had some toxic friendships there. Mm-hmm. And it never even crossed my mind that like I could be like, I don't really see this relationship continuing. Like mm-hmm. I, that didn't even cross my mind as a little 18 year old. Yeah. And I also think it's much harder when you're younger and in different sorts of environments. You know, as an adult out of college even, I think it's much easier to create kind of spend time with the people you want to spend time with. I think if you're in a high school, you know, it's a much smaller environment. You don't, you know, if you're in a group of friends or a circle of friends, it is harder to avoid certain people without feeling alienated or isolated. And so there are times when you can remove yourself or kind of, slowly fade out more toxic relationships for you but sometimes you can't you know and then you kind of have to hand or sometimes you can't easily without having other repercussions and so there's other ways you can manage that by sort of protecting yourself and and supporting yourself so it the toxicness doesn't impact you too much the toxicity um, yes, before we is. jump into Emily that. is the wordsmith, not I. Oh my god, no. Also, I should note, I did not write or edit that piece. I'm just a big fan of that piece in prevention. Oh. Um, I did promote I'll it. Give, has, I'll still yeah. give you kudos. Thanks. Um, I just, I love my team and everyone's hard work. But anyways, I do think before we jump into how to, you know, deal with 
toxic friendships let's talk about and we mentioned this before like what is toxic friendship but let's talk about the signs of toxic friendship um they're different for everyone obviously it depends on what your definition of toxic friendship is Mm -hmm. but what are some feelings that you would tell maybe your clients or people that you've you've studied in therapy um you know that are showing signs of toxic friendships like what what are Emily's some? always putting me on the spot. And she's like think, giving me the death stare right now. <laughs> I could answer I some, but not from for this. But not I'd from say a in license general, yes, okay. I'd say in general, signs that you can identify within yourself that maybe there's a relate, there's a relationship or a friendship that's not helpful for you or or um, valuable, adding value to your life is. Feelings of anxiety, kind of thinking about spending time with someone or really like feelings of dread, you know, that kind of pit in your stomach of like, ugh, I really don't want to spend time with this person. Or maybe you're, you know, texting with your friends and they're like, oh, we're gonna, so-and-so is coming too. And you kind of get that like ping of anxiety and dread of like, ooh. And it's not exciting. Excitement and anxiety. I think that's the big difference. Yes. We're talking the kind of anxiety that's not like texting your crush. It's Mm -hmm. like... Uh, my stomach hurts or whatever however that manifests for you yes exactly or someone who like maybe you feel like is really cool and you do really want to spend time with them and but you find that when you do spend time with them you don't feel good about yourself and so by that I mean like your self-esteem feels a little bit lower they kind of maybe poke a little bit or kind of point things out to you that you end up getting self-conscious or you know like those or you're emotionally exhausted when you come back after or you feel like you have to be defensive when you're talking about them or always kind of on alert um you know these happen from time to time with everyone you know we all have our defenses we all have our triggers where we're kind of going to react in certain ways but if there are certain people in your life that you feel like this is pretty consistent like this is how you feel every time you're with them or consistently enough um you just don't really feel good about yourself and you don't feel good around them that's sort of a red flag of like okay maybe this maybe this friendship again i I keep using the word toxic maybe this friendship is toxic or just maybe this friendship is no longer serving me right i like Um, them no longer serving me i think that's that's the key takeaway mm -hmm. i mean toxic sounds good and it's definitely going to be the name of this podcast episode but it's it's more than that. It's mm-hmm. not like just feeling bad or you get in a fight. It's, mm-hmm. you know, when you think of friendships, I like to think of the people I want to fill my house with, fill mm-hmm. my metaphorical house with. I don't want a large gathering these days. But, <laughs> um, you know, people that I'd see and I'd hug, people I'd see that, like, make me laugh, make me smile. And mm-hmm. as we get older and um, we're able to figure out who we are more as people – I think it becomes more clear what relationships are no longer serving you. And yes. to waste time on those relationships feels just as bad at the end of the day. I know in college when I would hang out with some people that I didn't feel great about hanging out with or that I left feeling not great about myself, I should say, I'd be like, I really wish I got this weekend back. Like, what mm-hmm. the hell? Like, why did I just waste all this time and money hanging out with people that – I don't feel great at the end of, you know, mm-hmm. think of all the fun times you have with the people yeah. in your life that do bring you joy. And maybe yeah. it's not even friends. Maybe it's siblings, whatever, you know, whatever it is. Think of the people that yeah. bring you happiness and, you know, invest yeah. in that. 
And I always, yeah, even even the concept of like wasted time, I think in these circumstances, like no time is ever really wasted because I think these experiences, you learn something, right? You learned like, oh, Knowledge. I don't feel good about this relationship or it doesn't make me feel good. Um, and I think this kind of ties in with the idea of remembering that we cannot change people, right? We can maybe advocate for ourselves or point out things that feel not helpful etc but you cannot change someone's personality and it's also it's not your job to you know what you can do is change how you react to people and what you do in the what your role in the relationship dynamic is and so for a lot of these relationships that feel again more toxic whatever whatever word we're using um that's your role is you can decide to remove yourself or fade out you know and this doesn't have to be a dramatic exit like I'm this friendship is no longer serving me so I'm out you know have a nice life like no it does not need to be this dramatic thing it just means like kind of a slow fade out right Spending Although if you do time. have a dramatic story, please slide into our emails or DMs and yeah. tell us. We're here for that juicy drama. We're always here for the juicy stuff, <laughs> for sure. We're supporting you, but though. It's not e- unethical. Exactly. And, and, and the reality is there are some people that you might never be able to fully remove yourself from, right? There's some people in your life you can kind of slowly remove yourself from the friendship and you might really never see or speak to them again. You know, some people are more easily removable like that. But some people you can't, right? You have mutual friends, like you're going to see them. And that's okay because I think once you've sort of distanced yourself to protect your own needs, when you do see these people in the future, I think it will feel much less jarring, much less, those those emotions will be way less intensified. And you'll be in better in a better position to, to manage it. So when it comes to you know, how will, what does this have to do with diabetes? Yes. Let's think of the way our relationships as people with diabetes, um, diabetics, Mm -hmm. our relationships with others can be negatively impacted. Maybe not, I'm phrasing this wrong, how we can feel or find toxic friendships that have to do with our diabetes. I think I butchered that, but hopefully everyone <laughs> understands what I'm trying to say. How, how do diabetes how and toxic friendships happen or inter- go hand in hand? Intersect, yes. And and what what are some what are some identifiers for how you know what what is a toxic dynamic when dealing with your diabetes? And you know, this is I was thinking. Um, you know, it's an interesting dynamic because I think for me, what does not feel helpful or what what kind of makes me, gives me like, I don't know, sad emotions, negative emotions is when I feel like people belittle diabetes. Um, and usually it's for lack of knowledge, I think, not that they're necessarily trying to belittle it. Um, but sometimes the lack of interest in, in acquiring knowledge about it can feel sort of belittling. Um, but comments you might hear of like, oh, like you're fine. Oh, yeah, like my dog has diabetes. Like it's not a big deal. Or, <laughs> oh, yeah, you have like a pump, so it's fine. You don't really do anything. Or, or don't you just like eat? Like don't you just like make sure you have a juice box and you're fine? You know, comments like that that are very um, belittling of the type 1 diabetic experience which I think all of us and listeners you know all of us living with this can identify with that those those comments can really grind your gears because it's just like oh 
want so much more than that. And you kind of want to scream. And listen, I think everybody, a lot of friends who do not have personal experience with type 1 diabetes or don't know anyone else with type 1 diabetes, that might be their assumptions initially, right? We've talked a lot about on this podcast how having to advocate for yourself and educate people when it's like you don't really want to and it's not necessarily your job to. So I think what what's different is that friends that feel friendships that feel healthy to you and that feel valuable to you I think you will notice that there is more of an effort to understand you there is more of an effort to understand your experience there is more of an effort to respect your needs diabetically Um, but these more toxic relationships might not make that effort might not really seem to care might feel make you feel like you're a burden somehow by having this extra condition you're carrying around that's like bringing the group down and so ding 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 like if anyone is making you feel like you're a burden that is a uh, that is a red flag that's one of those key things to kind of keep tabs on of like okay this relationship isn't making me feel good about myself right and I I just I want to iterate that there's a difference between someone's actions making you feel like a burden and you mm-hmm. interpreting things at yes. like an, an internal because yes. I know personally one of my biggest things I work on in therapy is you know trying not to feel like a burden because of my chronic illness mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily that anyone around me is doing things to make me feel that way it's more of like an inherent mm-hmm. well actually I'm sure like you go back years and any therapist will be like, oh, yeah, what was this inciting incident that caused whatever? (laughs) But these days, it's not like like most people in my life are, you know, actively doing things to – they're not being like, well, it really – like, you know, like you're diabetic, we can't hang out. But, you know, I think about – and again, back to college, meeting people for the first time, me having to check my blood sugar and, you know, trying to do it under the table, trying to be discreet, Mm -hmm. and receiving – feet like comments from people around me being like ew like do you have to do that at the table or mm-hmm. you know like people that I hung out with before and maybe just didn't know I was diabetic or mm-hmm. you know just had never experienced it but that's you know th- those are the other side of that incident where it's like you never I mean you never want to be on the receiving end of that it's like first yeah. of all screw you I'm saving my life every damn day so you know, don't comment on how gross something is. Second of all, it's just a finger prick. Like, if you want to see something more, I'll, you can watch me give myself an injection or change my <laughs> pump. Like, calm down. And third of all, I'm going to do what I need to do to survive. And if that means having to check my blood sugar at the table, I'm going to do it. And you know what? 100% of my friends now, none of them care. And Mm -hmm. that's because it's taken, you know, the trial and error. And I'm not saying just to cut people out of your life based on their first reaction because it is a learning process. But for people that are, you know, continue to make you feel shameful about your disease, like Mm -hmm. over long periods of time, that is something that is a huge red flag that I wish I'd thought of more, um, you know, in my earlier life. Absolutely. We've all, I think that hit a nerve with me because you're right I've definitely interacted with people that kind of say like ew or gross or like ugh you know I could never and 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 I think we all get comments like that here and there but again this is for this is like consistent 
patterns that you might notice in someone. So like Emily said, we're not suggesting that, you know, one bad comment from a friend means you got to cut them out. Like, (laughs) absolutely not. It's a learning curve for everyone. But again, it's about the consistency. It's about the patterns that you are identifying in these relationships. And when things become a pattern of not feeling good with someone, that's when you kind of say, okay, maybe this relationship is not, not what I really need it to be. Yeah, I think, you know, kind of continuing this ongoing rant about, or maybe not rant, but rant about this, it's, it, it can also be, for those of you that are listening that were diagnosed maybe later in life or during, you know, your primitive, your formative years, not primitive years, I mean, they are primitive, your formative years where you can recall having friendships change based on when you were diagnosed, like, Mm -hmm. that's real. The person that I was before I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes is not the same person I am, and for Mm -hmm. better or worse, like, do I wish I didn't have a chronic illness? All the freaking time, but at the end of the day, I know that this is what I have to do to survive and it's just you know the the sooner I accepted it the better but Mm -hmm. if those around me couldn't accept it and couldn't cope with who I became after that diagnosis then that led to toxic friendships and Mm -hmm. unfortunately that happens especially when you're diagnosed at an older age because you know you made all these really great friends but then you know something radical happened in your life and you've had to cope with it in your own way and if they Mm -hmm. can't handle the way that you're coping with it it's you know and you're not coping with it in a really toxic way Mm -hmm. then or I should say um what's the word maybe not toxic but like maybe not negative harmful in a harmful way then you know that that's knowledge and that knowledge leads to making the decisions it's not that knowledge is your friend's toxic. It's it's another cog in the machine to figure out what works for you. Yeah. yeah. So I I think that when I think of toxic friendships, I usually think of like high school or <laughs> Miriam. Sorry, I dropped something. LOL. Move on. <laughs> okay, we're moving on. Everything's fine. Miriam's <laughs> thriving, guys. But okay, this kind of helps us move on though. Thank you for that. Yes, well, um, I was thinking of like other things things that you know in terms of like putting up boundaries again for those people that are harder to remove and when I was thinking about this like the first thing that came to mind is when you're hanging out in a group setting right and let's say you're going for a long walk or you might not have like maybe you don't have dinner plans set up or brunch plans set up so you're walking and browsing and shopping whatever and kind of on on a mission or to find something who knows and your blood sugar is low right and, hey, guys, I need to stop walking for a bit. My blood sugar's low. I just need a minute. And if people are like, no, no, we got to keep going. We got to keep going. You know, this is an example of a time you have to put a boundary up and say, no, I need to sit. If you guys want to press on, by all means, press on. But I will be stopping because this is something I need to take care of. And so that is an example of putting up a boundary, right, of there's only so much I am willing to do to – to stay with the group right I need to prioritize my health and so this is something I'm doing for myself and I will catch up with you guys later um I don't know if this was a realistic example or not I think it could be I was kind of like feeling it felt familiar to me um and so maybe you guys have situations similar to that whether it's like explicitly someone like no you need to keep going versus like I don't want to wait for you I can't take literally three or four minutes 
for yes. you to have a glucose tab, whatever. Yes. And I think that's a good point. It rarely is so explicit. It's rarely someone saying, no, we can't wait for you. But it might feel implied in other ways, non-verbally. You know, I think there are other it's, ways it comes across. Right. It's more like someone can't do the bare minimum to make you, to like they, they won't bend the bare minimum when you've bent a lot. Yes. And I think that's kind of like the, the easier way to look at it because and again it's hard because unless you communicate that you, these things are your boundaries that you you need to take that time mm-hmm. you can't really I mean you can be annoyed and frustrated but you can't expect people to read your mind exactly so exactly. if that behavior doesn't change after you've spoken about it then that to me is the biggest red flag of Absolutely. any kind of toxic friendship or friendship that's not serving you anymore because you do need to give people a chance unless they're doing something extremely harmful exactly. or you know really straight up making your life miserable because no one's forcing you to be a friend if they are that's probably your family member and that's a whole other subject so but it's true I think it's very a very good reminder for people that people can't read your mind right and they can't read your passive aggressive size or the hints that you think you're giving like these aren't that's not effective ways of communicating your needs um, you might have friends that are very in tune with those things and it does seem to work for you, but I am a strong, strong, um, and I can't even think of the word, a proponent of speaking your mind clearly or speaking your needs clearly. Um, so there's no ambiguity of like, I need to stop to do this I need a five minutes to kind of let my blood sugar stabilize I need x y or z whatever it is um fill in the blank that's your blank you know this is the stop before deciding something's necessarily toxic yeah friendship wise so fill in the blank I need tell people what you need and if they Mm -hmm. can't accommodate or at the very least accept what you need then Mm -hmm. that leads me to our next thing um you know what are some helpful ways to set up discussing a toxic friendship I think the favorite you know like something that aside from ghosting because I'm not really a believer in ghosting um if you need to continue seeing someone in a social setting you know maybe Mm -hmm. just say hey this friendship you know like I haven't been feeling the greatest after x y and z um it's not really serving me anymore and I definitely still want us you know to be cordial and you know I don't have any ill will towards you but I need to put myself first and you know like I'm sure you're doing I need to think about myself and my feelings Mm -hmm. because what are they going to say to that f you you're thinking about your feelings (laughs) well this is interesting because I think this is one of the places where I don't necessarily agree tell me the licensed perspective I don't know if there is I don't there is no like clear-cut you know guide to this but I think that conversation in theory right makes sense it's everything I usually support you know speaking your mind being clearly confront confronting but it's not gonna be received that way I think in reality you're not not you Emily but like the general you you're not gonna be able to communicate it in a in that way and no one people aren't going to receive it in that way and I think it actually could end up leading to more conflict yeah um and so I I think this is one of those circumstances that you know depending on the relationship depending on the mutual friends depending on the dynamic of the friend group whatever it is um that you can kind of 
slowly ghost you know yeah I think what tends to happen is someone will reach out like hey I've noticed we haven't talked in a while is something up like that's a different conversation because then then you can bring it up like yeah I've kind of been distancing myself I've kind of just been prioritizing my own needs um this is what I needed to do for me whatever you know but I don't seek it out necessarily it's just there's ways to I don't know. I, I don't want to say don't do that either. Like, I don't want to say don't confront right. it. I mean, it's a case-by-case case basis. I think it's a case-by-case case basis. And you you will have a sense if you've been dealing with this person and you kind of know how they are and they, you know how they make you feel. I think you'll have a sense of how to best handle it or, or kind of what their reaction might be and how you want to, how you want to deal with it. Um, I honestly was just thinking about that instance in college and like I fully was like, yeah, no, this isn't working out for me anymore. <laughs> Did you confront it? Yeah, because I had to keep seeing them. Um, they lived and on my in my dorm, so in you know, like they, everyone would continue to hang out all the time. But yeah. I just felt like absolute crap after every time, and it's like I didn't want to not have any friends. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted to because it was my freshman year. What was I going to do? Like mm-hmm. I did make new friends, and I started mm-hmm. to feel better, what have you. But um, I think. And it wasn't an instance, like, where I just brought it up. I didn't yeah. seek her out. Like, it was like, you know, this just did kind of come out naturally. Yeah, it just came mm-hmm. up naturally. It's like, oh, yeah, I haven't. It's not like, oh, why haven't I seen you in a while? It's it's, it's like, yeah, I, I haven't seen you around, like, or something like that. Like, yeah. why weren't you here X, Y, mm-hmm. and Z? And it's like, well, yeah. let me count the ways. Um, yeah. But I to each their own, and nothing is. needs it's, to be dramatic. It doesn't need to be dramatic. And I think if it, if again, if it's, if it's what was I trying to say like if it's a a group dynamic a group of friends it might feel helpful to tell some of your mutual friends just explaining yeah like you know if you want to tell the mutual friends I'm distancing myself a little bit from this because I find I don't feel good after I see this person I think that's totally appropriate and again not dragging them into the drama but just sort of saying this actually quite the opposite. This is pretty drama free. Like I'm not trying to start a fight. I'm not trying to start like group drama. I'm just saying me personally, I'm going to sort of remove myself from this situation because I don't feel good in this situation. Um, and that might alleviate some of your anxiety, you know, about the group dynamic and about, you know, what are my friends going to think and what about this and what about that? For sure. So you heard it here. Miriam's <laughs> great advice. Um, but yeah, I think that kind of really wraps up this long-winded episode. I hope that this was helpful. Maybe it was, you know, it allowed some reflection on the relationships in your life. Mm-hmm. And hopefully this helps everyone get to a place where they are truly, f- their cup is full in every aspect. Um, and that you, you know, really consider the people in your life that make you feel less than because of your disease or mm-hmm. whatever reason it may be. Because we deal with a lot, and this could be for any human being, you know, like it doesn't just have to be for diabetics, of but course. life is hard, and yeah. you don't need to keep adding things to your plate. So, if lightening the load in terms of maybe one person, or maybe even cutting back on hours you're with that one person, whatever you need to do to get you to feel happy and a little bit lighter at the end of the day, then this is us telling you and giving you permission, not that you need ours, but to do you because everyone else is doing them. Amen. 
Anywho, yeah, whether I walk the talk is a whole other story, but here we are. Um, So, guys, follow us on Instagram. We're going to get better about posting. Like we said before, life's been really a whirlwind lately. But follow us at pancreas underscore pals on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Follow us on Facebook, pancreas pals pp. 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 (laughs) Slide into our email, pancreaspals123 at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys, whether that's DMs, emails, Especially if you want to tell us any of your toxic friendship stories, hit us up. We yes. will be back with, I think, one more episode before the end of the season and yes. with more content for you guys. But just know that we're always here. We're always a DM away. And, oh, by the way, thank you guys so much for the tons of DMs I got about my latest, Emily speaking, about my latest Dexcom my, like mystery. It happened to Miriam before, too. It's happened to quite a lot of you. Um, it was a story, so now it's disappeared. So I'm probably just confusing everyone now. But basically, thank you all for the amazing support and community that we have. So on that note, I'm going to mm-hmm. stop talking. Have a great week, everyone. Bye, Lots guys. of love and good shooks. Bye. Yes. <laughs>